This is the Hot Take Hockey Podcast with your hosts, Lucas and John Viveros. Hey everyone, back on the Hot Take Hockey Podcast. Lucas and myself, John here. We got a special guest, Mark Seidel, uh, the Director of Scouting for the North American Central Scouting and Director of Player Personnel for the Barry Colts. Uh, Mark, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? Thanks. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm good. I'm a big fan of the YouTube channel, so uh, I'm, I'm excited to be here and, and looking forward to talking to you guys. Yeah, thank you so much for joining. And just uh, as we're getting into the new season, I think we'll, we'll kind of balance the conversation here more so just uh, for yourself following the league, following uh, I, you, before even we started recording, you've said you worked for a bunch of teams. You've kind of been on the road a lot, following a lot. Um, so just for yourself going into the new season, whether it's NHL, OHL, are you excited uh, for the new season? And just right off the bat, what do you got going on? Uh, I am, you know, the, the, the scouting season is, is so long these days. I mean, when I first started, it used to kind of end in, in June and started up in kind of October. And now with the link in the summer and the different things, it, it's never seems to end. But you know what, when it ends, I mean, this year it ended kind of, you know, July-ish and then uh, you kind of got six weeks off. But I'm not going to lie to you, by the end of the six weeks, I'm kind of like, let's get back in the rinks. So, yeah, I'm excited. Every, you know, this is my favorite time of year. We're, we're starting you know, the, the OHL season, the NHL is not far down the road. So, I mean, lots of scouting, but uh, yeah, it's exciting. It's, it's good. And uh, you got a whole new fresh, you get after a while scouting for the NHL draft, you get tired of talking with the same guys over and over for eight months. Yeah. <laughs> so when you, when you start a new season, you get to talk with new guys again and go see guys with fresh eyes. So it's, it's exciting. And, uh, and I'm, uh, I'm very excited. Awesome. Yeah. I wanted to quickly touch on uh, just what you said there, as far as linking the two drafts, the drafts that we just had in 2022 and the 2023 draft that, I've known, uh, you know, following the league that and following the, the different junior leagues that the 2023 draft seems to be primed uh, a little more with, with elite skill and a little more depth. Uh, you know, how do you compare the two drafts at, at the top end as far as the 2022 and 2023? I think the 2023 draft is, is a very, very good draft. I think you've got two potential, uh, and I hate using the term because it's used overused, but we have two potential generational players. Um, that will literally transform a franchise. Uh, Connor Bedard obviously is is the one that everybody in Canada knows about, and then Matt Vymishkov is a Russian, little different because he's on a Russian contract now, and the, the whole situation with Russia and Ukraine. But um, you know, both are phenomenal players that I think literally can transform a franchise. You know, like McDavid did, like Austin Matthews did, some of these other guys. So, 2022 draft was was a good quality draft, but you know, I don't think it had a ton of you know, superstar potential. I'm a big fan of Yurslikovsky and and some of those guys at the top, but uh, 2023 is exciting, but I, I will caution every year, uh, I've been doing this so long, but every year it seems like when you're, when you're looking forward to the next draft, everybody says, Oh, next year's fantastic. And then by the time June yeah. rolls around, they're like, well, this is not great. Next year's going to be great. So yeah. Yeah, I have a little bit of caution, but I can, I can assure you that Bedard and Mishkoff are the real thing. And, and there's a bunch of other guys in there, Fantilli and some other guys too. So I think it's a really, really good draft and, and we'll see how the next nine months plays out. Yeah, honestly, I think, I think a lot of people kind of talk about the 2015 draft and just looking at obviously what you just said, the, the couple names there and, and what we got out of 2015. Um, but yeah, kind of what Lucas alluded to as well, the depth, I think even for myself, like going to be following the OHL a lot in the upcoming season, like a couple names I would throw out just to watch out for would be like Quentin Musty for the Wolves, uh, Callum Ritchie for the Generals. Uh, for yourself, do you think, uh, and, and just working even in the OHL, do you think, there's a lot coming out from the OHL in the first round this upcoming year, or do you think it's too early to say, uh, do you think there'll be kind of some surprise names that will uh, kind of show up in the season? Well, Cam Allen to me is, he, he might be the best defenseman in this draft. Um, so that's certainly exciting. Obviously you saw what he did in Guelph last year. Kyle Ritchie is an, you know, an offensive machine in Oshawa. 
you know, uh, Colby Barlow is a guy who's as, as pure goal scorer as we've seen in the draft in a few years. You talked about Quinton Musty. I think Quinton struggled a little bit at the uh, Alenka Gretzky, but, you know, certainly a big, strong kid that has all kinds of abilities. So, you know, I think it's it's a good year, um, certainly in the, uh, in the Ontario Hockey League. Maybe not right at the top of the draft. You know, we mentioned some of the other guys, but I think there's there's good depth and there's, you know, there's probably five or six first rounders in the OHL alone, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting looking at just different rankings of top 10s, top 15s already this early on and, and how it changes throughout the season. Uh, in your experience, do you see like what you see in the preseason rankings? Does it really, really shift, um, you know, you know, completely differently as the season goes on. And by the end of the season rankings is have, have maybe two or three names slipped out and, you know, two or three jumped into that top 10. Oh, for sure. It's oh. again, like I, you know, these are all young men. They're still kids, quite frankly. And so, you know, if you think of yourselves when you were 16 and then you went to 17, I mean, physically there's huge changes, you know? Uh, so there's guys you think about, I mean, if we talked a year ago, I'm not going to lie to you boys, I would say Shane Wright was going number one and everybody's fighting for number two. And that was a year ago. And of course, we saw, you know, at the end of last year, our final rankings, we had Shane at four and, you know, Slavkovsky at one and stuff. So uh, lots of guys come in and out, guys you wouldn't even have thought of, you know, all of a sudden you go watch and you're like, who the hell is that guy? He grew like five inches from last year. And so, you know, guys right now that we might not even have in our top 60 uh, could very well be first rounders. You just, like I said, it's a fresh new season and there's such a gap between that one year that um, guys we think were really good last year. This year, maybe not, and, and vice versa, guys that we kind of thought, okay, they're okay players and, and come in this year and light it up. So, yeah, it's uh, it's you start off with a ranking, and, and every year at the end, I look and it's so different. You're just like, wow, like you, you know, what we thought were for sure is on it. Shane Wright's a great example. I mean, you know, I think everybody in the scouting world thought it was a for sure. And by the end, you know, I mean, uh, he went four, and, and if he didn't go four, he might have slipped down to like seven or eight. So, um, you know, it's it's just it's a long year, and, and uh, it depends on how the year goes. I'm curious just to ask you as a scout and someone that's been in the game for a while um, it, for like a guy like Quint Musty, I know I'm, I know he was a high um, I think he went first overall in the OHL draft. And I know that size has always kind of been a priority uh, for, for scouting and for looking for players in terms of maturity. Uh, I'm kind of curious to you when you look at a, a player and talking to so many other scouts, um, do you see the big shift? And I would say more so in the last decade, with size uh, versus skill. Cause I even look at like a Logan Stankoven who, who I think some scouts, some ranked 15 to 20 in that draft. Uh, but then you have other scouts having him outside of the top 50. Obviously he went to the second round of the stars. And then now you're seeing him dominate uh, in the WHL and you're seeing dominate for team Canada. And he'll be, he'll have a chance to play at the world juniors again after just seeing what he did. Um, and then I even see like Lane Hudson for the U S development program. He falls late to the second round, even with, how high of a ceiling his skill set is. I think he's five eight, five nine. So are you seeing that shift or do you still think there's a lot of kind of overlooking on some of these younger players or, or sorry, shorter players, I should say? Yeah, the way I kind of describe it is if if you have a big player and a, and a small player who are very graded similar, you're always going to take the bigger player. It's, mm-hmm. it's still a physical game. It's, it you know becomes bigger, usually can overpower smaller at some point. But, you know, I, I started doing this guys in 1990 and none, neither of you were even thought of being born yet. So uh, back then it was, you know, it was, you had to be six. If you weren't six foot, don't even think about drafting them. Um, you know, six, six guys, even if they couldn't skate, we'll figure that out. Like it now, the small player has just as much chance as, as a big player. I mean, you're talking about Logan, you know, Logan Stankoven, you know, I think back to Braden Point, you know, Braden Point fell in the draft because he was small and he wasn't a great skater. And, 
Um, you look what he's done, obviously, in Tampa and, and Stankoven and Hudson. There's so many of them now that teams, you know, teams don't specifically say, okay, if he's not 5'10", I mean, um, you know, to, to think of 15 years ago, uh, the Hudson kid being a, a second rounder, I mean, at 5'8", as a defenseman, I mean, he probably wouldn't have been a draft. So it's changed significantly. It's, it's such a fast skill game now that, you know, size is, is not nearly as important as it used to be. You know, all that being said, like I say, if there's a big guy that has skill, he is going to go higher than the smaller guy. But small guys, you know, certainly have uh, uh, have every right and, and will get drafted high based on where they fit in, not based on how big they are. Yeah, another shift that we've seen over the last 10, 15 years is is where these players are playing. And whether it be the OHL, WHL, QMJHL, we've seen the American program develop further. And, you know, we see a guy like a Canadian-born Kale McCarr playing in the States uh, and we see Austin Matthews, for example, before he was drafted playing in overseas in, in Switzerland. Uh, how do you see that that shift that has gone about over the last number of years into all these different programs that players are are maybe researching more into, uh, you know, where they can best develop uh, all over the world, really? Right. Yeah, a couple answers. One, you know, yeah. I sort of uh, I'm not very smart, but like 20 years ago, I, I said to people like the Americans are coming just because mm-hmm. they have the population base. The game is getting more popular. Obviously, when it went into California, into the southern states, um, it's very much a rich person's game. And, and certainly there's, there's a lot of wealth in the states and stuff. So uh, the U.S. development program has done a phenomenal job. Now, with that being said, if in Canada we took the top 22 kids in the country and played them on one team and practiced every day, it wouldn't be close. And that's I'm not taking it away from the Americans, but they do a great job of developing their top elite players. We obviously have the major junior system. So. You know, there's all kinds of routes. I mean, it used to be if you were a small skill guy, the NCAA might be the way. If you were a big physical guy, major junior. Um, that's completely changed. It doesn't matter. I mean, you know, I, as you said, I worked for Barry as director of player personnel, director of scouting. And, you know, I mean, if, it's, if there's a small skill guy, we don't even think twice about taking him now. So that's changed. You know, I, I think Austin Matthews changed the paradigm a bit by going to Switzerland. Now he's obviously an elite player. He could have played in, you know, didn't matter where he played. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He was, he was going to go high. Um, but yeah, I think parents, agents, everybody's more aware of the different options and situations. You know, Cal McCarr played tier two, got drafted out of there, went down and played in the States and you see he's become the best defenseman in the game. So there's different routes for everybody. Um, and I think uh, it's more open than it was. And, and now there's no more secrets in the world. It used to be a time a long time ago where the odd Russian or European, you could hide or find out about, there's no more secrets anymore. So guy, we're going to find guys wherever they are. And, uh, but yeah, there's, there's a lot more options than there used to be for sure. I'm curious just uh, for yourself. I, I don't know if you, you want to call yourself out here, but I'm curious in terms of uh, like scouting and ranks, is there a guy that sticks in your mind that you had maybe lower in your ranks that now is kind of biting you in the behind? Uh, the one, <laughs> we could spend three hours there. I got where I'm off guys that I'm dead wrong about because um, Probably the one was Oliver Ekman Larson. Now I know his career's kind of fallen off, but I think we finished up and, and uh, our Swedish guy loved him. Uh, I just, I just couldn't fall in love with him. Every time I saw him, I, and we had him, I think at like 71, maybe. And obviously, you know, you saw the career he started off. I mean, again, he's tailed off a bit lately, but still a very good player. He's the one guy that every time I see them, him play, I just think, man, like, how could you be that stupid? Like, and it'd be different if this, I could blame it on our Swedish guy and say, well, he didn't like him. He saw Every time I saw him, he said, you know, we got to move him up. And then I just didn't. So there's lots of them. I mean, that's the one guy that jumps out to me for sure. Um, but there's a whole bunch of them. I mean, in this business, George Armstrong, the former captain of the Leafs who's passed on, was probably my biggest mentor in the game. And 
And he used to tell me, Sides, if, uh, if you get 60% right, uh, you're, you'll be in the Hall of Fame just because yeah. there's so many mistakes made. And you know, I, I'm not getting to the Hall of Fame anytime soon because my number's a lot lower than that. But um, there's lots of guys that you miss on that you think, you know, and there's guys in Ontario here that I see a ton lately. And, you know, all of a sudden a couple of years are starring and you're like, Jesus, you know, we should have had him a lot higher. So there's guys you hit on, guys you miss on. But Ekman Larson is the one that still to this day kind of bugs me because you know, it was just pure stupidity on my part. And maybe vice versa, the other way around, where you had someone higher up on your own personal list that dropped further than expected? Uh, probably Corey Perry. Okay. I, I love Corey Perry. I think I had him at three overall on, uh, he was working for Minnesota at that point in National League. I had him at three. I just, I loved him. I loved the way he competed. He did everything. He obviously fell all the way down. Tim Murray was scouting, the former GM of Buffalo. He was scouting for Anaheim. And we used to go watch games and, and travel a bit. And he loved them too. And obviously they fell. He fell to him and uh, he's the one guy that, you know, you just, sometimes you see a guy and you can just see what he's going to become. And again, sometimes you're real lucky on it. He was one guy that, you know, as soon as I saw him, I just thought this kid is, is special. I guess more recent, I guess Moritz Sider is a guy, um, you know, we, we had him at, uh, I think we had him at four overall. Um, wow. you know, a lot of uh, these independent scouting agencies and internet guys had him, you know, inside the first round, second round. And wow. I remember when Steve Weisman drafted him, Elliot Friedman, interviewed him at the draft and he just said, you know, you, that's, you threw the first curve of the draft and Steve Eisman said like, it wasn't a curve for us. He was the best guy on the board for us. And I felt the same way. I thought at the world uh, championships, he played for Germany and was just a man. And to me it was, you know, and, and again, as much as I can tell you about those two, I could go on about 25 guys that I thought were really good that weren't either. So sometimes you get lucky, sometimes you, you're right, but you know, you're wrong a lot too. Yeah. The cider one's really interesting because I think for me, I've always kind of considered my myself like, casual in terms of following prospects like it's more so I do have like I would say a better focus in North America so for cider he was kind of just my default when I was going through my mock drafts and going through my content I kind of just averaged it out and put cider I think around like 15 to 20 spot in the first round and then even when like the Iserman pick and his defense came through I, I was kind of on the defense of like why not trade down then if you're that confident in the guy like why not trade down five or ten spots get an additional asset so I was a little on Stevie Y at, the, at that time but I think now, obviously, I think 90% of people look like a dummy on that cider. Uh, mm -hmm. take, so, um, well, you know, I learned a long time ago, Mike Fute is another mentor of mine. And Fute used to say when I was in we were on sound together, he used to say, like, if you like a guy, take him. Like, you think you might get him and then all of a sudden he goes somewhere else. And you can just imagine Stevie if he traded down five spots and, you know, he ended up somewhere else. And now he's watching him be a, you know, a rookie of the year and be an all-star. So, you know, Fute's taught me that, you know, if you like a guy, who cares what, you know, what a lot of people think, if we think he's the right guy, take him. And, and obviously Stevie is, is, does not lack for confidence and, and based on success, that's, that's justified. And, and he loved them and their staff loved them and it's worked out for them. Yeah. I think most people need to stop doubting Steve Eiserman. I think that's, that's old news. <laughs> yeah. If he calls you, if he calls you, hang up the phone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so just going into the season, uh, whether it's, I know a lot of people just the Calder favorites and the Calder conversation, but uh, just in terms of an NHL following, do you have a few prospects or younger players that, you know, or you see jumping into the league that you're just maybe just as a fan or just as, as someone that enjoys the game that you're excited to watch this year? Well, you know, I, I think I'm excited to see Slavkovsky. I mean, I, you know, we had Slavkovsky at one going into Christmas last year. We actually put right ahead of him right after Christmas because Shane had a great month of January. Um, you know, he's a big kid. I've seen, I was just in Buffalo and I watched him in Buffalo at the, at the rookie tournament. And I've seen some people, some stuff online about he started slow and stuff. I mean, this guy's a man. I mean, the comparison I've used is Yarmir Yager. 
Um, you know, he's obviously got to get a whole bunch stronger and stuff, but yeah. I'm really interested to see how Montreal uses him um, and how good he can be. Cause again, a lot of guys, when they're 18 and 19 coming in the league physically, they can't handle it. This kid will have no problem physically. Like when you meet this kid, I met him and it you hate to say it, but I was like, I'm not sure this kid is 17 or 18. Like he, he's got a body and like a, a build, like a 25 year old man. So, you know, he's interesting. I think, you know, we'll see how guys, other guys we've liked in the past and guys like Quentin Byfield, you know, we always knew Quentin would be a project, but, um, and it was going to take some years just the way he played and stuff. And I think he's coming into his own. So, you know, guys like that, you're kind of anxious because, you know, you see what Tim Stutzel done and, um, you know, Lafreniere and those guys, Kako, uh, you know, those kind of guys, I'm anxious to see how they do because, you know, in their draft, we were pretty convinced they were pretty high players. And, and I think if fans get too anxious to label people a bust or, you know, this isn't yeah. right. I mean, these are, these are 18, 19 year old literal kids playing against grown men and, and it takes a while. And you saw in the playoffs last year, that Ranger line of those two and uh, I forget who they're playing with. Heedle. Yeah. Answer yeah. exactly. Yeah. Uh, Philip Heedle, uh was phenomenal. So you saw them come into their own. So I'm kind of excited to see how they, you know, jump out this year. And now they've got that confidence from how they played in the playoffs. So guys like that, that, you know, you, you watch get drafted and, you know, the development curve is a little slower, but you, I'm anxious to see how they do this year. Yeah. It's almost like, these generational players, I know, I know that that's a buzzword and it gets overused, but guys like Matthews, McDavid, McCarr that have come in and, and let, let the league on fire right away have almost made it, uh, you know, unfair to these guys that need some more time at, at 18, 19, 20. Just like you said, they're, they're young men developing into their bodies, developing into their skill set. So it's going to be interesting to see those guys that are in year three, year four that haven't maybe hit that poten- potential that people think they're going to get to as of yet. Uh, so what do you think about, you know, when it comes to developing uh, players when they get to the NHL? Uh, is it, I, I assume it's all just dependent on, uh, you know, everybody's a case-by-case basis. But is there, you know, a magic number that you're looking for usually at 23, 24, 25 as to when they should really take that step in today's NHL? Because I know it's, it's changed the last, last 10 or so years. Yeah, I think, you know, you hit on one of the biggest things and, and scouting staffs and guys get crucified if a draft doesn't go well and the players don't turn out. And, you know, like I say, it's, it's a 50-50 battle. It's uh-huh. your draft is important, but so is the development. Some teams do a really, really good job. Some teams, quite frankly, do a very poor job. And we've seen some of those cases of guys. Um, you know, I, I'm a guy that patience is a virtue because, um, you know, if you're trying to win now and if you think an 18-year-old uh, is going to come in and help you win a Stanley Cup, it's not going to happen. I mean, even Connor McDavid at 18 wasn't helping anybody win a Stanley Cup as, as mm-hmm. phenomenal as he was. So you know, patience, uh, I think, is the way to go with these guys. I mean, I expect Shane Wright will be back in Kingston. You know, I think everybody seems to think he's going to be in Seattle. Ronnie France is a very smart, patient, calm guy, and I, I expect he'll be back in Kingston. And I'm sure Shane and his agency don't want to hear that, but it won't shock me. And I think Ronnie gets it, and a lot of teams get it now. Um, another quote I heard one time is, nobody's ever been hurt by playing a year in the American Hockey League. Nobody's career really ever suffered from playing one year. You know, you learn to go from maybe junior or the NCAA to, to pro hockey and um, playing against men all the time. So, you know, I think slow and steady is the way to go. You look at what Tampa's done. Al Murray, I think he's the best in the business um, in terms of scouting. But then they, they've got the development piece they've done a phenomenal job with, you know, even when Steve was there and even now with Breezeball. So uh, I think slow and steady. You see teams that rush them and over the years. You've seen guys sort of flame out and, you know, it's easy now, but I mean, if you look back, Lafreniere probably should have went back to junior, you know, I mean, he might've benefited from that. Capocacco probably maybe should have played a year, you know, like there's some guys like that, that, you know, I think maybe, but the problem you get in when you get a real high pick like that, the marketing department, 
is all over it, right? Like Lafreniere, New York City, we can market them, we can sell tickets, we can, yeah. and they want to sell tickets. Owners love to sell tickets and make money. So yeah. there's always that battle of, you know, the first or second or third overall pick, um, you know, do you keep them? Uh, you know, those guys are going crazy, but you're, you're probably better off, um, you know, send them somewhere else. So it's, it's always a battle, but I think slow and steady is, is the much better way to go. Yeah, I think Shane was one of those guys that definitely, I mean, I think it's across the board, but Shane's one of those guys that probably um, that year off with, uh, with the pandemic, he probably battled through that. And I think, yeah, what you said, uh, an extra year, I think the ability to dominate, I, like I was in the building watching Shane and just seeing his ability. Like I, the guy could dominate, the guy could dominate at any point. I think even the defensive side of things, um, but I think even more so like, the offensive explosion from him, I think the production could be there and at such a higher rate. So I don't think it would be a bad thing, especially with Seattle up the middle. I, like I'm looking at right, not in that equation and they have four pretty solid centers there. So I would say go back to Kingston, light it up, put up two points per game plus <laughs> and, and then go to Seattle the following year. So I definitely am with you on that. I think um, uh, in terms of Shane, you know, you talk about the, the pandemic and stuff, the really weird thing for me was, he went as an underage to the under 18 championships. If yeah. you remember down in Texas yeah. and was phenomenal, like dominated was on, but not sort of that led us into the beginning of last year. And so that was after the pandemic, after the year off. And then you know, he came back last year and, you know, like I said, there were some nights he was really, really good. And some nights where he was you know, still good, but he just wasn't as dominant. So, you know, I think that uh, that is the case. And I, you know, I, I mean, I can see, it wouldn't even shock me if he goes back to Kingston and all of a sudden Kingston trades him somewhere because, you know, they can really rebuild everything and maybe send him to somebody who, you know, he's uh, really ready to overpay. So it'll be interesting to see how Shane Wright's kind of uh, start to the season goes. And, and if he ends up somewhere, or does he go back to Kingston and stay there? Yeah. And with Wright, uh, so, sorry, because I was just going to say quickly, just on that conversation um, and a scouting background, just with Shane Wright and his kind of attitude and just kind of the stuff he was saying, do you think that played a part in it at any capacity where like, the overconfidence being a thing. I mean, I look at Slavkovsky, even with Montreal, it seemed like he even had some overconfidence, but that kind of went to his favor. So do you think maybe that played it up a part in it a little bit? No, like teams had interviewed him and, you know, Montreal interviewed him multiple times, guys interviewed him and he's a great mature kid. You know, some of the stuff that gets, you know, again, fancy sort of publicly and, you know, they think it's, it comes down to who you think is going to be the best player. Yeah. I know, you know, there was talk about Montreal being the, the environment they were, some of the things they did when he interviewed all the prospects that they talked to, you know, they really put pressure on because they needed to have mentally strong guys. And, and Shane certainly fit that bill, but you know, I don't think comments he made publicly about having confidence and things like that really was, was at the end of the day. I mean, again, we had him at four, just, we thought he was the fourth best player in the draft. And, you know, I think that's ultimately where he went. And, uh, but we didn't drop him the four because of anything he said. I mean, I like the young man. I think he's really mature and smart and great family and everything. It's just at the end of the day, you're just trying to pick the best player you can at those spots. And, and Seattle got him at four. Yeah. And there's always the games that Seattle could potentially play him in at the start of the year. Right. And give him, give him a few games to get his feet wet and, and, and send him down. I know it can be disappointing for the prospect to, to go through that, but that is also an option. Um, but yeah, John, did you yeah, have anything what, else? I was just going to say, that's exactly what McTavish did. I don't yep. think, uh, and I think if anything, it's been a conversation, like the amount of teams, the amount of different environments McTavish just went through in the past year. And I, I don't think that slowed him down at all. I think that made him adaptable. I think that strengthened his game. And that I think now he's going to go into Anaheim and, and be super dominant, <laughs> or at least as a young player, right? 
Yeah, I think again, Mason is a guy, like you said, I don't know, he played seven teams last year or something like that. And, you know, I mean, playing in the Olympics as an 18 year old and stuff like that. So, you know, I think he's going to be the next captain of Anaheim. I really do. Um, as a very young player, I think that won't shock me at all. And you're right. I mean, again, everybody has their own path, but, you know, certainly uh, the path he took looks like it's paying off right now. And, and uh, it'll, he should have a very good year in Anaheim. Um, Mark, just uh, just to kind of close up the chat, just on the NHL side of things, uh, whether it's a younger roster or just an overall conversation, because we talk a lot of NHL on this channel. Do you have a team that just uh, on a hot take maybe basis that you think is going to surprise a lot of people this year maybe? Ooh, that's a good or it could question. be an NHL player. It could be honestly anything. If you have a little bit of a hot um, take wrestling the way out. No, I think, you know, and I don't think it's a real secret probably, but the Rangers to me are a team that are really on the, on the, the up here. Um, you know, I think as we talked earlier about those players, young players coming into their own, you know, and net they're set. I, I think, and again, that's not a big secret. Like you, you watch what yeah. they did last year and in the playoffs and stuff, but they're a team that I think is starting to get built the right way. Chris Jury is, is doing a really good job there. They've been patient. Um, you know, I think their scouting staff is, is phenomenal. So they're kind of a team that I think, you know, don't be shocked if, if all of a sudden you turn on the TV next uh, June and, and they're in the cup finals. I just think they've got that much ability with some of their veterans and then those young guys come in their own. So they're a team I, I certainly want to watch. And, you know, let's face it, the, the Maple Leafs are always interesting, whether they're, whether they're as good as they are or if they struggle. I mean, there's, a, there's no shortage of, of uh, stuff to see there and with that team. So um, but I, I think the Rangers are the one team that, again, not a secret, but I think they're going to have a very, very good year. Well, the odds came out today. Sheldon Keefe is favored to be the first coach that gets scrapped. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> John, don't say that. We want a Rangers Leafs conference finals. <laughs> that would be good for the ratings. Yeah. 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 Uh, but Mark, thank you so much for coming on. I, I do really appreciate it. Is uh, Just for yourself, I don't know if you want to throw anything out there, but is there a spot where people can – follow what you got going on or just on social media or is there a spot where if people asked you, you could, they could find you? Yeah, no, I, I I'm on Twitter. I've, Twitter's kind of been my thing that I've, uh, I've done. So it's at Mark Seidel, M-A-R-K-S-E-I-D-E-L. Um, don't really like with our scouting company, North American Central Scouting, we don't really do much with fans. It's more team based stuff yeah. like that. So not really. I, uh, I just, I, I'm very happy to be on with you guys. I enjoyed the conversation. If you, if you ever want me back, I'd be happy to come on a chat and, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's about it. And, you know, our, uh, my Barry Colts will, uh, we'll get started here in a week and a half and we'll see how that year goes, but, uh, oh, it's going to be a good year, exciting year. But like I said, I, at the beginning, I'm a big fan of, of you guys and, and the channel. So, uh, if you ever need anything, by all means, let me know. Yeah. Thank you so much, Mark. I really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, I hope to chat again soon. So Mark Slidell, thank you so much for coming on and, uh, Excited for the prospects of the going into the NHL or the guys that are going to be there in uh, the upcoming season. So thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mark. Thank